This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome along everybody to another edition of AA Live. Uh, My name's Tony and I'm an alcoholic and this is the programme that explores uh, the AA way of recovery. Um, And uh, tonight it's uh, my pleasure to welcome along Chrissy and Jan. G'day ladies, how are you? Good evening, how are you I am good. good. I'm very well thank you, how about yourself? Oh no, I'm uh, I'm doing fine and it's lovely to be here with you guys. yeah, so well, what do you say we um, we get started with a serenity prayer? Sounds like a good plan to me. Okay. Alrighty. God, God grant, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And Jim, would you like to run through um, the preamble for us all? Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. That's Thank lovely. You. Thanks, Jen. And Chrissy, would you like to just uh, comment on, on our opinions in the show? Our opinions are just that, opinions, and not necessarily that of AA as a whole. So anything that you hear us express as um, personally is just that. It's just our opinion. Yeah, that's right. Mm. It is. I mean, we don't speak for the whole of AA, um, but we are all in the fellowship and we are all uh, working the 12-step program. And, I mean, that's exactly what the show's about, folks. I mean, if you have a problem with alcohol or perhaps somebody is telling you that you have a problem with alcohol, <laughs> this may be the, the show to sit down and, um, and have a listen to. Um, we are all people that are recovering from alcoholism. Um, we take it one day at a time. And um, the 12-step program, uh, which was founded in 1935, is as relevant today as it was then. So with um, without further ado, right, let's get into the show. We've got a wonderful show for you tonight. Um, we've got a, a we've got a, a guest interview. Ned will be sharing her experience, strength and hope. Uh, and we hope that, that you would find inspiration in that. But first, I'd like to start off. Uh, with chapter three and this comes out of our our big book Alcoholics Anonymous Uh, and it's titled more about alcoholism most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics no person likes to think that he is bodily or mentally different from his fellows 
Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterised by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. We alcoholics are men and women who have... Sorry, I've just lost my place. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control their drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralisation. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period we get worse, never better. We are like men who have lost their legs and never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances there has been brief recovery, followed always by a still worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but has not done so yet. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe that they are in this class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exception to the rule, and therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone is showing an inability to control his drinking, that can do a right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows that we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. Here are some of the methods that we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever, with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums, we could increase this list ad infinitum. And, um, you know, um, alcoholism really is the disease that tells you you haven't got a disease. Most people spot it around you long before you begin to even realise that this might be a problem. Um, and, and it tends to get blamed on many other things, doesn't it? Oh, what are your thoughts, ladies, on, on that? Yeah, look, I must say that my first meeting I heard that reading and uh, it was eye-opening for me and I was the alcoholic. Yes. (laughs) So I listened to that and I identified with so much of it. I love hearing that reading. It's um, just so, yeah, it's really apt for me. Right, It's all about what I was. I was doing all those things on that list. Yes. (laughs) And through... Being 25 years after I'd been told I was an alcoholic, <laughs> going out doing a little bit more research each time, having periods of sobriety and relapsing, but my relapses got longer and longer. So, yeah, by the time I walked in, 
that, yeah, I just couldn't believe it when someone read that at the first meeting. Yes, yes, you just, identified completely with yeah, it. Yeah, I thought, oh, these are my, oh my gosh, that's me. Someone <laughs> knows me. <gasps> How do they know? Because <laughs> I thought I was drinking at home quietly on my own. Nobody knew what I was up to. Thank you. <laughs> what about you, Chrissy? <laughs> uh, well, I didn't hear the, um, the more about alcoholism reading until I'd been in AA, I think. Um, the first one I'd heard was how it works mm. and unfortunately my first meeting I wasn't very um, I didn't look at um, I didn't want to be an alcoholic you know I didn't want to stop drinking and I was still heavily in denial um, and it wasn't until I sort of was diagnosed by a psychiatrist as a, an alcoholic and even then I was like oh no She's only a psychiatrist, you know, so I still wanted to keep on drinking. And when I heard the more about alcoholism, I heard what I had done. And by that stage, I was starting to look at similarities between mm. myself and other people that I heard sharing at the meetings. And, um, yes, I did a lot of those things. I think I didn't take um, – I think I, didn't, I did everything but two. Yes, I'm the same, everything but two. And, mm. but, that's, uh, but that could be a yet – you know, I always think that if I was to go back to alcoholism, you know, I could end up in a psychiatric institution or something like that. So mm. that's the way I look at it too, you know, mm. that I'm just one drink away from a drunk. And, yes. Yep. No, that's it. And, I mean, you know, being a disease and left untreated, it always gets worse and never gets better. So, um, you know, and that's been my experience as well throughout the years this has got progressively worse and I look at people now sober and I see you know people that are continuing to drink even older than me and I can see how that that actually happens so um, but what we might do now um, everyone is well I think we'll go to a track and this is called uh, Mama Told Me Not To Come by Tom Jones Want some whiskey in your water, sugar in your tea? What's all these crazy questions they're asking me? This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on the lights, girl, that I wanna see. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. She said, that ain't no way to have fun. Choking from the smell of stale perfume And the cigarette you're smoking About to scare me half to death Open up the window Let me catch my breath Mama told me not to come Mama told me not to come She said That ain't no way to have fun Son That ain't no way to have fun Son, son, son Someone's knocking at the door I'm looking at my girlfriend She just passed out on the floor 
I've seen so many things I ain't never seen before. Don't know what it is, but I don't want to see no more. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me she said that ain't no way to have fun. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to AA Live um, in association with OR Radio. Uh, that's uh, 105.4 FM Dunedin. Um, and I thought we would do a little bit more from the big book, Jan. Um, I was hoping that you might read us a bit more um, of what alcoholism is through Chapter 5. I would love to do that. Thanks, Tony. It would be my pleasure. So this is how it works from our big book, which is kind of our... our uh, Ruling hand, so to speak. Guiding hand, I should say. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go, absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power, and that one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which is suggested as a program of recovery. 1. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. 2. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 3. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 4. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 5. Admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. 6. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 
7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B. That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C. That God could and would if he were sought. Thanks, Jen. And, you you know, what Jen was reading is really an outline of the 12-step program, um, the original, I guess, 12-step program um, in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, You know, it's one thing to come to the meetings, but it's another to actually start to pull those steps off the wall and, and to watch your life change. Um, and, you know, and tonight we're, we're privileged to hear, you know, a story of experience, strength and hope. Um, and I, I hope that uh, you out there uh, find it just that um, as we listen to Anita's story. Um, yeah, for a starter, I'm Anita and I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. And um, I'm glad to know that that is what I am today. Um, in the beginning, I can go right back to my preschool years and um, uh, or, or very young years, five, six, seven and I always felt different um, I didn't really have friends um, I didn't talk uh, and and that's how it was when I was really young, that's how I remember life I got older nothing changed um, I, uh, I went to high school and um, I had one or two friends at high school, but um, I always felt uh, that I wasn't wasn't worthwhile. I wasn't. Um, I felt very um, insecure, and um, like I, I just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't worth me attempting anything because it was never going to be any good anyway. And and that's just how I felt about myself. Um, I had. Didn't come from a dysfunctional family. I had a, I had a very loving mother. I had a very uh, controlling and domineering father, um, who I was scared of. But he was never physically abusive, um, and he didn't. He wasn't a heavy drinker, um, which was you know, in comparison to my mum, who was. In hindsight, now she was an, definitely an alcoholic, but uh, managed to control her drinking. Um, yeah, so, but anyway, in my in my younger years, that's 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 how I was. I just I was full of fear and um, insecurities, and um, yeah, I just 
couldn't understand how people could talk to other people or, or do the things they were doing. I, would, I, I had an episode when I was about 10 where I spent a week of wagging school because I knew I had to do a school, you know, a school talk. And I just couldn't cope. Uh, so that was my younger years anyway. And um, once I got to about, I got my, had my first taste of alcohol when I was about 15. And um, I was going on holiday with my cousin at the time. We were both, she was 16, so she was sort of taking care of me. We were getting on the train going to Picton and across on the ferry to Wellington to my auntie. And um, she managed to get this, um, get hold of a bottle of whiskey. Um, so that was my first taste of alcohol. Um, I drank it. I don't remember any of that trip. I remember very little bits and pieces of it, and I was a mess when I got to Wellington. Um, I'm not sure how my mother and father never heard about it. My mother, my auntie, covered for me. So um, yeah, and that, that was my first taste of it. I didn't taste it again. I was really, really sick from it. Didn't taste it again until I left home at the age of about 17 and joined the Air Force. And um, then, you know, I really learned to drink very well in the Air Force. Um, <laughs> it was a, uh, it was, yeah, well, I I drank so well that I managed to be asked to leave. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not, not normal to really, I guess, a normal day's work to be asked to leave the, one of the forces. So, um, yeah, so I, I that's, but I loved it. And I, it, it gave me a sense of freedom. I could do things that I'd always wondered how other people could do. And I found I could do it as long as I had my drink inside me, topped myself up most days. And, um, yeah, I was the life of the party. I could dance. I could sing. I could play the guitar. I could do all this stuff that other people could do sober. And um, I, I couldn't understand how they could do it. But anyway, finally I could do it. So, um, yeah, that was that was sort of my early days of drinking. Um I got married, had four children, and in that time I didn't drink a lot. I had you know, play times when I, I would go out and get absolutely off my face, not remember the next day, but it, it, to me it wasn't a problem. Um, my, my husband at that time pretty much sort of did the same thing, so we were doing it together, and um, life wasn't too bad. But um, you know, it, things sort of changed. Um, as I got older... And my, I was, I was starting to binge drink more often, and um, I would go, I would start at of a night and go for a couple of days. Still married at the stage, having children, who, um, you know, when I look back now, I'm surprised they still, they were still with me, um, because I wasn't, I was dragging them up at times, not bringing them up. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was. It got bad enough that um, I guess I, I, I was getting to the stage I was walking out the door the next day and afraid of who I might see down the street if I'd seen them the night before. Couldn't really remember what I'd done the night before in a lot of cases. And in, 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 in some cases, actually, I found I was waking up in places that I'd had no idea, absolutely no idea how I got there. And I was looking around not knowing the people I was with. It was starting to get pretty scary. Um, to this day... No, I don't have any recollection of that. Uh, yeah, so um, that was yeah. I guess that was my early yeah yeah some of the early times. 
So, yeah, we will continue uh, with Anita's sharing. But first, um, Chrissy, would you like to give us your uh, spirit lifter for today? Thanks, Tony. Um, today's reading is called Mysterious Paradoxes. Such is the paradox of AA regeneration, strengths arising out of complete defeat and weakness. The loss of one's old life as a condition for finding a new one. And that's from AA Comes of Age, page 86. What glorious mysteries paradoxes are. They do not compute, yet when recognised and accepted, they reaffirm something in the universe beyond human logic. When I face a fear, I am given courage. When I support a brother or sister, my capacity to love myself is increased. When I accept pain as part of the growing experience of life, I realise a greater happiness. When I look at my dark side, I am brought into new light. When I accept my vulnerabilities and surrender to a higher power, I am graced with unforeseen strength. I stumbled through the doors of AA in disgrace, expecting nothing from life, and I've been given hope and dignity. Miraculously, the only way to keep the gifts of the programme is to pass them on. Yeah, I, I love that reading. I, I, it really identifies with me because, you know, when I did stumble through those doors, everything was pretty much broken. Relationships around me were broken. Um, you know, uh, I'd burnt a lot of bridges. Um, you know, I wasn't drinking and I thought my life was over. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would look pretty, it looked really bleak. And then the next thing that struck me while listening to people was I struggled to understand what they were saying in these meetings. And I remember being just so steeped in fear because it seemed everywhere I turned they were asking me to change, but I didn't know what I was changing into, you know. Um, and so what I'd, I I personally love that reading because it is a paradox. The whole program is a paradox. It, it's a it's almost like a transformation from the inside out, um, and it gives you the next. Well, it's given me the next, you know, the next step. You know, there are a lot of little steps in this thing. Um, if I'd changed all in 24 hours, that would have broken me. You know? <laughs> you know, there were wins and losses, and there still are. You know, it's about learning how to be to to live a different life. It's learning how to, you know, uh, what makes me feel well and what doesn't. You know, it's more than it becomes more than just not having a drink. You know, this program. It, it, Absolutely. You know, yeah. What do you What do you guys think? Any thoughts on the reading? Uh, yes, I really like the reading. Um, when I first came into AA, I was very, um, I was, you know, I'd been through a rock bottom and things like that, and I was very mentally unwell. Um, and even though I don't, I don't know, it is a paradox program. It just works somehow. And, um, you know, sometimes I think the less I think about it, the better, you know, <laughs> yes, because if I, I was a, one of these people that, oh, I wanted to know everything and, and, um, and I want, when I gained a higher power, I wanted to know all about that. And, and what I realise now is that I don't have to know everything um, also in that reading, it said that um, 
things that I never had done before, like when I embraced, when I went through pain, it allows me to come out the other side better. You know, so I think that's that's really that really struck a chord with me in mm. that reading because that's yeah. something I never ever would have done when I was drinking. You know, yeah. and it's about it is about finding a new life. Um, and the good thing about it is, like, I came into AA probably a bit stunned and was like, holy moly. But the good thing is, someone said to me, easy does it. You know, yes, I didn't I have to same. stress about anything. I could just, yes. you know, yep. take it as I as I went. Yeah, every day I learn something new. It's uh, it's uh, doesn't all happen overnight. It, like you said, Tony, it's not about just stopping drinking. It is about learning a new way of living. In a yeah, way that so. is surprisingly, we well, I found I suppressed. Mm. There was only one way of living for me, and it was as long as there was something in my hand that I could drink. So it's a whole new way of living that you realise, oh, it's not so bad out here. <laughs> yeah, the sun yeah, actually okay. shines. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, um, when I was drinking, that was the only way, mm. and. In some ways, I felt like I lived in fear of my life, and and mm. um, but being sober, I've discovered that it's not really it's it's not as bad as as exactly. I thought. Yes, it's not not as scary. No, it's, it's, it's quite almost easy. it's almost like you know. I think <laughs> well, my higher pow- power says, you know, uh, Tony, uh, meet Tony, Jan. Yes. How about you meet Jan and Chrissy? Meet meet Chrissy. That um, is true. You know what I mean? Um, I, I've gotten to know so much more about myself yeah. in this program, you know. Um, and also, you know, I, what I was carrying too, you know, that, that thinking, that stinking thinking that we often talk about or, or that alcoholic thinking that heaps a whole lot of pressure on myself, you know, to perform in a perfect sort of uh, way and then gets disappointed with the results and feels like they need something to actually cope with all that. Um, and, you know, when you said easy does it, you know, it's almost like a different way of thinking. It's like enough is enough. Today is just one day and it'll have enough things to do in it, you know. Um, mm. One day at a time. It is a very soothing program <laughs> for a very tired mind. And you know? acceptance, acceptance of others. That was a big one for me as yeah, well. Yeah, the intolerance about the world around yeah, us. Yeah, the yes. world around us. Yeah. And actually, that's not my issue. As, as you know, easy does it, Jan. Yeah. You don't need to be worrying about what that person does. That's actually nothing to do with you because you do as an alcoholic. It's just one of your isms. You you That's think right. you have to get into everybody else's life, <laughs> and yeah. you don't. Imagine the pressure, eh? Imagine, yeah, and imagine, it's like a pressure cooker. Yeah, <laughs> come in. I mean, you know, it's what I like to say, come in. Come warm yourself by the fire. Take take a load off. And mm. that's, really, that's really what it's like. Um, look, guys, I think we'll go for another music track. Why don't we uh, pull up to the bumper with a little bit of Grace Jones? Sounds good.
Welcome back, folks. You're listening to AA Live on Argo Access Radio 105.4 FM. Um, and I think we'll continue with Anita's story. Um, and let's just hear a little bit more. I left my husband and um, because things weren't, weren't going well. And um, I, I met a, um, another man who um, introduced me to Alcoholics Anonymous. He was um, in recovery and suggested to me that you know, I might be able to find something there that could help me. Um, at this stage, I still didn't think I had any problem with alcohol. Um, so what if I went out and got absolutely off my face? Um, I, I, I just didn't want to believe that I had any problem. Anyway, um, for him, I decided I would go and um, do some meetings in AA. Uh, which I did, and out of respect for the other members, I decided I don't have any problem. I'm not an alcoholic, so I'll just give the drink up, and um, and I won't. I don't need to drink. I did that for twelve months. I did a meeting every day, and I sat in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, listening to other people's stories, not really relating. I was looking to the dif- for the differences, and um, the differences were th- which I was finding was that I wasn't drinking out of a paper bag yet. Um, I wasn't homeless yet. I hadn't lost my license yet. I hadn't even been up before the courts yet. They were all yets. And um, I realised that where my drinking had come thus far, that that was a real possibility that that could happen. I also wanted to hold on to this relationship that I had because it was very, you know, it was important to me. So I decided, okay, I'm just not going to drink. As a consequence of that, after 12 months, I was at the point where I was ready to end my life because my my head was crazy. Um, my drinking, I used that to cope with all those feelings and to cope with the fear and, uh, uh, yeah, that the real fear that I had in me. I couldn't do anything. So I'd taken the drink away and I had no way of living. Um, so, yeah, I was ready to end my life. When I shared this with my partner at the time, he suggested that he didn't pull any punches. He just suggested I get along to a meeting and rather than just sitting there, I actually start opening my ears and listening, start listening to some of the similarities, um, which I did. And um, as much as I didn't want to be an alcoholic, I recognised that's what I was. Um, But then I had to accept it. It was easy enough to say, yes, I'm an alcoholic. I had to accept it really deep within me. And um, I I didn't want to. I fought and I fought. Um, I I really, uh, but after, and like I say, after um, getting to that point where I'm ready to end my life, I really had no choice. Okay, I'm going to, I'm hearing these people in these rooms, they're smiling, they're laughing, they're doing all these things without drink. How do I live without drink? So I had to look at the program. And um, I went into, at that stage I was an atheist. I didn't want to believe in any God. And when I saw that on the wall, I thought I'm not staying or hanging around here anyway. But... You know, today, it's it's different today. I, I, I had no choice. I had to believe in a power greater than me because that is, I replaced that with my drink, I guess. Um, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, so, uh, like I said, I sat around the rooms and didn't do anything and it didn't get me anywhere, but it kept me dry. And um, I still wasn't a very nice person to be around. Um, I had to... What I ended up having to do was, as much as I didn't want to do it, I had to start looking at how how it worked, which has already been read. And I had to start looking at doing the steps. Um, I was always afraid that I wasn't going to do it the correct way or the right way or, or that my, my story I, I, I didn't like to share because I didn't believe my story was going to be good enough to impress everybody um, because that's what my alcoholism told me. I had to be the best at everything. I was an I was a, um, absolute um, all on or, or off. No, I didn't have any balance at all really. So... Um, but thankfully today, I think I have a little bit on a daily basis, and this is where I struggled for a long time, is that it is a daily program, and um, and I, I can't afford to go too far into the future, and I certainly can't, I, I can share my ex, my experience, but I don't dwell back on my past, there's not anything I can do about that, and I've dealt with it, and um, I have no shame today about my past. And I, as I've said, I'm, I'm really pleased to know that that is what's wrong with me. I have a disease today, and um, I, can, I can manage it on a daily basis. So, um, and I, 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 I have an awesome life today. The other thing, I, and I was struggling with um, accepting that I was an alcoholic is because I, because I was a binge drinker, and um, I just I had to uh, look at why I drank rather than the amount that I drank. And, um, you know, I drink because I'm such a people pleaser. Um, I can still be like that if I don't work my program. I can revert back really, very quickly. Um, you know, I've, I'm, and time means nothing, but, you know, I've been sober a wee while now. Um, in fact, coming up 20 years this year, I think it is, I've sort of lost track. But, you know, it's still only, I can still be as mad as I was back then if I don't do what I know I have to do, which is hand my life over. And, I, and that could be, when I first heard that, I think I'm not handing my life over to some God that I don't believe in. But today it's not a God, it's a, it's a power greater than me, who I choose to call God today. But you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I have an awesome life today, but that is absolutely reliant on me doing work in this program. And, um, you know, some days I don't want to work it. And I ask my partner any day, I can be as mad as a snake, but um, uh, I, I try to keep a bit of control over it today. I try to work the program. Uh, yeah. And now we're going to have um, a reading from, as Bill sees it, the AA way of life. And these are selected writings of a, one of AA's co-founders, Bill. Today's reading is called From the Taproot. The principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat is the main taproot from which our whole society has sprung and flowered. Every newcomer is told and soon realises for himself that his humble admission of powerlessness over alcohol is his first step towards liberation from its paralysing grip. So it is that we see that we first see humility as a necessity, but this is the barest beginning. To get completely away from our aversion to the idea of being humble, 
To gain a vision of humility as the avenue to true freedom of the human spirit, to be willing to work for humility as something to be desired for itself takes most of us a long, long time. A whole lifetime geared to self-centeredness cannot be set in reverse all at once. Yeah, I like that. Nice. Um, you know, that, that I guess is, you know, for me, it, it reminds me of that, you know, it takes time to make those changes, you know. Um, and it was interesting, I was listening, you know, to Anita's um, sharing. Um, and, you know, she was talking about being a binge drinker. And, you know, I often wonder, is it harder? Because, I mean, you know, one time I was a binge drinker. It was in the weekends or every couple of weeks. But as, as things progressed downhill for me, I became a daily you know, yes. drinker and a daily drunk um, you know um, and I often wonder is it harder for people that maybe only drink you know once a month or uh, on a Saturday or you know what I mean because perhaps you know um, it's easier to point out that they don't drink every day but yes. as Anita quite clearly says it wasn't about how much I drank it was about what happened next for me when I did you know um, and that's an interesting thing, you know, it just ties in for me that this is a disease that hides and, and tells people um, what what they want to hear. <laughs> and it builds, it builds. Yes. I didn't start out drinking, well, what I thought was as an alcoholic. It's uh, something that started out, I think I started out as a binge drinker, you know, I was young, it was get yourself absolutely wasted on the weekends yeah and then of course I started working and then it, you know you'd go to the pub with your workmates on Thursday Friday Thursday always because it was payday then Friday and then Saturday was your day and and then it just increased eventually it was every day and then it was that mental thing of when can I get it next um, yes, that obsession sneaking. That out, obsession, yeah. and that is the cunning, baffling, and powerful part of alcohol. That's part of the disease that we just don't understand. Never did I think, taking my first drink, that I had opened up the can, the disease of being an alcoholic. I didn't think of that at all. Mm, yes, no. yes, that's right. And thinking about what you were saying, Tony, you know how people may only binge drink once a month. Mm. And I think to society, we tend to look at how much you're drinking, but then it's not always about that. It's what happens, happens. when you're yes, drinking. Exactly. You know, if you're only yep. drinking once a month and you're drink driving and you're staying out all night, mm. putting yourself in risky situations. You know, it's it's it is all about because for me, once I had a drink, I couldn't guarantee what would happen. Yes. I could do yes. anything, be anywhere, and black out half the night, and I'd you know, it just I just wouldn't I'd just do things that I would never ever think of doing when I was not drinking. Well, that was the joy of it too, wasn't it? Because all of a sudden you could be comfortable around other people you could yeah, talk right. to other people you could imagine if we had recognized that about ourselves way back when we started yes because yeah. <laughs> it is you know, the behavior. And it is hindsight in the end isn't it mm. you know i mean sometimes i and i know it's if and but and i shouldn't go down the road but mm. if i found this in my 20s oh, you know, my, gosh, oh my goodness yeah. you know but i mean you know it is what it is like i said it's a, an incredibly stubborn disease that that hides and tells people what they want to hear but mm. the truth and um when when you when you begin to accept and find that if you um are of the alcoholic type that we are talking about 
you know, um, that's a victory. That's a major victory in anyone's life. Yes. Um, well, let's head back to Anita and um, and hear what it's like now. My life is completely different today. Um, yeah. I, ha- I today I have I have a voice, and I'm not afraid to speak. Um, I have an opinion today. I have some money in the bank today. Um, yeah, my life does not revolve around me, me myself and I. I have I have compassion today. I didn't have any of that stuff when I was drinking. It was all about me all the time. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, it's just it's just really great to be able to wake up in the morning and and remember what I did the night before, and know where I've been, know what I've said, and and have genuine kindness and um, and people in my life that I love, genuine friends, and I I never had any of that. Oh, sure, I had people in my life that I loved, but um, and I, I, it was today. It's just a a real different, um, different life. Um, you know, I've, I don't. I hope I never ever find any reason to have to drink again. Um, during my sobriety, I've had. I've been through weddings. I've been through birthdays, twenty first. I've been through three funerals. I had my mother pass away. That was devastating. I had my father pass away. Then I had my late partner, who I started recovery with, passed away. He passed away sober after a lot of years sober. And, um, you know, and that was that was really, really the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. But I didn't have to drink over it. And now I hope today that I never, ever have to find a reason to ever drink again because um, that was just one big dark hole most of the time. And, uh, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was living... And I, that wasn't living. Today's today. I've got an awesome life. I've got a really awesome partner, and you've heard him singing, and um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just um, he's just absolutely wonderful. In fact, you know, the best thing that's happened for me. So, um, you know, but that would not have happened if I'd been drinking. You know, not, none of the, none of my life would be happening today if I was drinking. So um, I just, for me, I need to keep going to meetings. And I, even after all these years, I still do at least two to three weekends, meetings a week because I relate to stories. And, and I've got a certain amount of fear that about me. It's a healthy fear. If I stop doing meetings, my head might tell me, I just don't have a problem any longer. I've, I've, I've cured my disease. And I've, I know that that's never, ever going to happen. I'm always going to have this disease and I always have to treat it. My treatment is going to Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, yeah, and, and so I, I still do two to three meetings a week. We're about to go back on the road and um, you know, I know wherever I am, I'll always find friends of Bill W. And I have that on the back of my van and, um, you know, and we know who that is. So... You know, it's just just a really awesome life today. And if anyone's struggling out there and think they just might have a little problem with it, come along. It's not going to cost you anything at all. Just sit in the rooms and and have a listen. So, thanks for listening to me. I'd like to remind all listeners that um, if you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to stop, we can help. 
Lovely. Thanks, Chrissy. And also, if you need to get hold of us, look, there's lots of different ways that you can uh, give us a call. We've got our 0800 AA Works number, which is 0800 229 6757. We've uh, also got our web address of aaotago.org.nz. That's to get hold of the AO, AA Otago Intergroup. You can post a letter or any fun things like that to us at AA Otago Intergroup as P.O. Box 6115 Dunedin North, Dunedin 9059. And our New Zealand website, folks, is aa.org.nz. So please do pick up that uh, 0800 number. If you need to just have a chat with somebody, you will get um, one of us on the other line. Uh, it's The person that answers the phone has been going through their own recovery. So they will understand and, and recognise with you. So that's 0800 AA Works. Thank you. That's lovely. And um, I just want to say, Chris and Jen, thank you so much for being part of the AA Live show tonight. Um, it's wonderful having you on board. That's um, been a pleasure. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Chrissy. And I just want to thank you out there, folks, um, for listening to the show as well. We, you know, we appreciate um, you you out there, and um, we hope that um, you know this has made sense for for someone out there tonight. Um, you know, with that said, Chrissy, would you like to um, introduce the last song for the evening? Thank you very much, Tony. This last song is by Lenny Kravitz. It's called Little Girl's Eyes, and I'd like to dedicate it to my daughter. Lovely. Wonderful. Good night, all. (laughs) Thank you. Good night.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.